Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. And welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the world's number one Joshi podcast. We are back for the first time in about a month, and we are back for the first time in the great year 2022. My name is Taylor. Very happy to be back. And of course, as always, happy to be joined by my co-host and good friend, Kelly. Kelly, welcome to 2022. Welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio. Thank you. I'm I'm just full of anti-COVID microchips right now, and I'm ready to do this show. Uh, beep, boop, boop. That's right. You did get your booster yesterday, not to... Yep. Uh, and it didn't to, kill me. Not to break your HIPAA... Uh, <laughs> not to break HIPAA violation uh, rules. Yeah, no, uh, HIPAA I was only slightly comes worried. into the fat when, you, uh, when Brandy Rhodes pushes Kylie Ray into a pool. That's the only time that HIPAA comes into effect. <laughs> I was slightly worried you were going to wake up this this uh morning afternoon whatever and not be able to do the show because when i got my booster i was straight up laid out yeah for the first half of the day after i i could not do anything i was really worried about that too i think i got it out of my system with the second shot when i got uh such a high fever that i passed out in my bathroom (laughs) but you are now super powered Yep. Uh, and glad to be back with you on another episode of Jumping Bomb Audio, where we got a lot to talk about. But first, as always, please follow us on Twitter at JBomb Audio. Uh, or if you want to follow us individually, you can follow Kelly at Comic Geek Kelly on Twitter and me at Tay Mambo on Twitter. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, give us a subscribe. It would be very helpful. And if that place is Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. We would really appreciate it. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping bomb audio. So we are going to get right into it. We are going to go in-depth on the big January 4th uh, Tokyo Joshi show that happened at Corican Hall, their big yearly show. And then we're going to cover all the things that happened in Stardom, in Seedling, in Oz, more shows with Tokyo Joshi. We had some fun prominence shows. We have some Sendai Girl stuff. We're covering it all. We got it all here, but we are going to dive right in to the Tokyo Joshi, Tokyo Joshi Pro 22, which was held January 4th at Corican Hall in front of 695 fans, which I believe is very close to uh, the f- current full capacity of the building. So a good number for Tokyo Joshi. The show kicking off with a tag match, Arisa Endo and Suzume defeating Mahiro Kiryu and Moka Miyamoto in 11 minutes and 39 seconds. I'll throw it over to Kelly first. Kelly, I know you have one specific thought on this match because uh, 
we did speak briefly as we were both watching the show live. So I'll throw it to you first. Uh, Mocha, honey, your your gear, your no, new gear is no good. It, it's bad. It's it's really ugly gear. I don't know. It's like it's a half waist. Oh, yeah. You remember those Animorphs book covers? Very much so. Yes. I, I feel like it's, fan. it's the half step between her old gear and whatever her new gear should actually be. But it got like stuck mid transformation, and they're like, "I, I go, go here, you just use this." Like it's very yeah. strange. Yeah, it's very strange to me because the parts of it I like are the parts that are clearly new. Yeah, and the parts of it I don't like are the parts that keep the sort of old. I've talked about on the show. I was not crazy about the old look, which was sort of like person who wandered in from the crowd. <laughs> uh, to wrestle with the long skirt. And it's weird to me that they were like, the thing we really need to keep in this outfit is the skirt, the idea of this skirt, uh, which is still there. And I'm like, I guess. So the new parts, I was like, oh, this is interesting. But they were like, no, it's almost like she's very famous for this gear. Like if she were very yeah. famous for the gear, they're like, well, we want to give her a new beer, but we can't get totally rid of the old gear because people will get really upset. <laughs> yeah, it's like WWE telling people they can't get a haircut because it messes with the toy deals or something. Uh, but as for the match itself, I thought it was a solid uh, match. I would have liked to see it uh, a little bit farther up the card, maybe replacing uh, or switching places, I should say, with a uh, match we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but I thought a solid match. Um, you know, I think Mahira, uh, Kiryu and Mocha are sort of now sort of firmly established on that sort of bottom level, unfortunately. And I think Endo and Suzume are moving up. Um, I do think Tokyo Joshi has done a good job sort of uh, calling an audible. They had the Suzume... Uh, Mirai Mayumi team, which is no longer. And I've enjoyed that they have put Endo and Suzume together as a team. I think that's been sort of a very strong plan B for them. Yeah, they're a good uh, team. They have a really good just energy to them. And it's like, oh, this makes perfect sense. These two probably should have been together already. <laughs> yeah, and it fits. And they get the win here. I think at the last Corican show, if I'm remembering correctly, they, they lost. I think so, um, yeah. So good to see them get a win, especially heading into the uh, Max Hart tag tournament, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And especially uh, with it being Endo's one year anniversary, like that was that was cool. Yeah, uh, but overall, I thought a uh, solid start to the show. Yeah, definitely a good opener. The next match was the yearly tradition. It's a yearly tradition at these Tokyo Joshi January 4th shows. The match between Hyper Masao and Shoko Nakajima, which this year was a New Year Tiger Child Rescue match, <laughs> uh, which I didn't even know until I looked at Cage Match that that was the subtitle of the match. But it was a um, ladder match where you had to get a tiger, a stuffed tiger, I should say, not a, not a real tiger that was suspended above the ring. Uh, so Kelly, what did you think of this match? Are you a fan of the, of the annual 
Hyper Masao, Shoko Nakajima uh, comedy matches. Yeah, I do enjoy the annual like just nonsense fest with those two, but I will say it causes me pain every time Nakajima uses her kaiju toys as weapons. Because like this time I was just... I, I I didn't rate the match because I was too distracted looking at the mat, looking at the toys, trying to identify what they were and who they were. And like, there was a bunch of money worth of toys there. <laughs> like, I know for sure I saw a Gamera figure that I bought from a dude on Instagram last year at Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. I was just looking through my phone and I was like, oh, I want that. And I started talking to him. So that Gamera for sure was like 50 bucks. Like, I don't know what kind of damage it takes, but I I wouldn't want my toys getting beat up like that. <laughs> and this is not the first year that that uh, the toys have been featured. Oh, I yeah. Think they were in last year, too. I wonder they if were. they're the same ones or if they're different ones. I wouldn't be surprised. I also noticed, like, because I went through and I found on Twitter someone posted a pretty decent quality picture. So I was able to identify a bunch of them. And there's a couple monsters, like she had a bunch of different um, Baltons from uh, Ultraman and a bunch of different Red King figures. So it's like, they're clearly her collection. Like, these are just the mon. It isn't like they went to some, like, I don't know, they have Toys R Us there still. Like, it just grabbed a bunch of Ultraman monsters off the racks and brought them in. Because, like, just looking at the sizes, these aren't the mo- movie monster toys, which are, like, the the general line you would see for, like, 15 bucks or so in whatever department stores. Because, like, there's a couple different sizes of stuff. I know I, at one point there's, like, a Godzilla bootleg in there. So it's like, that. these are... She, she's a collector. And it's like, how... How can, how? I don't, I don't know, man. I couldn't do it. Wow. I bet no one listening imagined that we'd get an, an edition of Collector's Corner with Kelly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this match. I uh, don't know anything about uh, <laughs> those things. So I was not concerned with, with their use in the match. Uh, I really liked the match. I usually, uh, I think I always enjoy these matches. I thought Shoko Nakajima uh was very impressive in that she took some uh bumps she took the bump on the ladder which dented the ladder that i'm like you are really working very hard for a match that is oh, largely yeah, yeah just she does a straight not have to do match. that <laughs> and there was one other one and now i can't remember what it was but there were multiple times when i'm like what i'm like i would not if i were in this sort of comedy match i would be focused on the comedy and i would not be taking any tough bumps I yeah would just be well that this brings but, me did did you watch the uh the hardcore match misao had against shinmo katsumata i did not that match uh, is but wild. i know you did yes that match is wild and kind of makes me think misao should just transition to being a hardcore wrestler because it fucking rules well, like, she had that she match nasty bumps in there. She had that match many years ago with uh, June Kasai. Oh yeah, at a Tokyo Joshi show. I don't remember how many years ago that was, but I remember that one being really good as well. Now I think that was more comedy, but I, if I remember correctly, I haven't seen it since it happened. That that was, you know, not total comedy in that match. So maybe, uh, you know, why don't they do a Hyper Masao uh, 
Hikari Noah hardcore yeah. match. Or hell, team those two up against like a prominence invasion or something. Yes, we're going to have, we will be talking about prominence uh, a lot coming up on the show, but I hope that some, if not all of prominence will at some point show up in Tokyo Joshi because I think it would be a lot of fun. And I think that they have a couple people on the roster already who would uh, want to do that style, fit that style very well. So fingers crossed for that. Yeah. The next match was another tag match where Haku Chumu, the team of Miyu Watanabe and Riki, Rika Tatsumi, sorry. I uh, never defeated. knew that was their team name. <laughs> I didn't either until I, uh, again, looked at it on Cage Match uh, to, <laughs> to get these results. Uh, defeated the team of Nao Kakuta and Yuki Kamafuku. And I have to say that this match was probably... Uh, my favorite of the undercard, I should say, up to probably the semi-main event. Uh, but of the non-title matches, I should say, this was probably my favorite match. I thought all four worked really hard. Obviously, the spot of the match was um, now Kakuta's head bouncing off the uh, corner oh, after Rika drop kicked her, which looked very painful. Uh, I can't talk badly about her after she did that and then just kept going. I was like, oh, my God. And then the match just sort of continued. But I thought all four looked really good. I thought, you know, now Kakuta looked very good as someone going in. I probably would have said of the four of them, she would probably be, you know, the fourth of four in terms of who do I think are the best in ring people. But I thought they all acquitted themselves. Well, I thought it was a really fun match. Like for me, it would have been like three and a half in that range, but I thought it was a lot of fun. But of course the, the thing that everyone's going to remember is that crazy, uh, bouncing the head bouncing off the, uh, stanchion. Yeah, that was gross she's lucky she didn't just get knocked out from that because that that was nasty and it made a weird ding noise (laughs) yeah that was a a really good match uh i went three and a half on it too uh just everyone was working really hard in this match and pretty hard hitting uh and like i assume it was to get uh hakushumu back in like tag title contention you know to have them win here but yeah, overall, really good match. Definitely agree with you on it being the best of the undercard. The next match was a six-person tag. The team of Harunu Neko, the for one night only returning Nadoko Onesan and Yuki Aeno, defeating Marika Kobashi, Palm Harajuku, and Raku. Uh, for me... There is no match that screams opening match more than this match. And the fact that it was fourth from the bottom was really wild to me. I have to say this just as a personal thing. Um, Nadoka was, when I started watching Tokyo Joshi, which was a number of years ago, she was in the Onisan character. And then I think sort of, it may have been six months in or a number of months in, she switched to her current sort of quote unquote current character. I never really connected with the Onisan character. That was not really uh, 
very exciting to me. So this sort of the draw of like, ah, this beloved character is coming back. I was sort of like, "Ah, I don't care. Um, which is probably why it was not the first match. And also probably why I thought that this match wasn't very good. Um, not entirely surprising looking at the, uh, list of competitors, but you know, it is what it is. Kelly, were you more positive on this match? What do you think of, what do you think of the returning Nadoko Onesan? Uh, that character was from before my time watching Tokyo Joshi, so I had no idea what was happening. I was very confused. <laughs> uh, it was a very unremarkable match outside of the confusion. I think I went like two on it. It's fine, I guess. But yeah, definitely uh, it should have been in the opener slot and maybe a pre-show. I don't know. It was whatever. I think. I think the first box of uh, True Hearts Joshi cards I got had a Nadoka Onesan autograph in it. <laughs> but I think that was the moment where like, she signed it as that character, but by the time the box had come out, she had switched to Nadoka Tenma. So it was like a weird thing where it was like, oh, is this like a collector's item that it's this old character that now doesn't exist. Um, but I still have the card. Um, but that's also what I think of when I opened the box and I went, Oh, this character is not even around <laughs> anymore. Uh, very weird. Should but anyway, uh, eBayed it the night of the show, maybe gotten a nice bump from that. Yeah, I have some, um, you know, I haven't looked at them in a little bit. The new ones are coming out in a few months, but there are some where I'm like, I could probably put these on eBay and get a good, you know, get a good chunk of change. I don't know if that's one of them. Yeah. I bought <laughs> I a, a uh, that might be one of the less popular. ones. I recently bought a box of like the most recent tops WWE set just cause they looked cool. Like they were done in the old school card style. It's like that. They, they look cool. It was a cheap enough box. I got an Alexa bliss autograph in there. So I need to pop that on eBay to sell it to some pervert. I'm sure I could get a good amount of money from that. Um, I think the, the only box of WWE cards I ever bought, I got um, a piece of the ring mat from the Royal Rumble with Titus O'Neil. It was like a Titus O'Neil autograph. Was it the one where the he ring. fell under the ring? No, it was, oh. <laughs> this was a number of years ago, but I remember being like, well, this is not worth anything. <laughs> years and years like ago, pe- I got a box, uh, I got a pack that had a uh, a chunk of the ring from a WrestleMania, and it was like specifically the Ric Flair versus Undertaker match. So I was like, oh, there might be some like hepatitis in here. <laughs> I never really understand like, oh, it's a piece of the ring. Like, great. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It could really be understand. any fabric. You're like, ooh. Yeah. You're like, ooh, like show it to your friends. Ooh, look, this is one small inch of a uh, ring mat that they were probably like, well, we can't use this again. It's too dirty. Okay. Yeah. We'll cut it up and give it to, you know, these people. Much, this is what a wrestling ring feels like. Yeah. 
or a uh, kiss anyway. card. There you go, kiss card. I was explaining to my coworker what kiss cards were, and she was very surprised those existed. And then she thought, like, no, no, this makes sense. I think they still yeah. do the kiss cards for the WWE sets. Like, I, I had to look it up. I, I think they, they do. I think continue. they do. Yeah, yeah, I think they do. Because I saw uh, one where it was like a Mandy Rose kiss card, and I was like, that's too recent for them to have stopped doing that. But anyway, back to back to Tokyo Joshi. The next match was our first of uh, three singles matches at the top of the card. This one was not for a title, but it was Yuka Sakazaki defeating Yuki Arai in 12 minutes and 51 seconds. Kelly, what do you think of this match? I thought it was good. Another really strong uh, showing for Arai. Uh, she's got like really good facial expressions in the ring. Like, you know, she... Because there's a lot of people who in their early days, they're either stone-faced or you can tell their face is kind of like, I don't know what to do. It's like when you take a picture and you're like, what do I do with my hands? I never think about this. But like, so she definitely has thought about this and she's got really good facial expressions and stuff. Like she, there's, I think it was when she had a Yuka and a submission. I can't remember what, but she like looked like a maniac. Like she was like going to rip her leg off of her. It was awesome. Uh, that being said, I do think it's my least favorite of the trial series so far. Like, I think her uh, match against uh, Rika was way better. I don't know. I thought they just didn't have, like, the best chemistry. But that being said, I still really liked it. I went, like, three and three quarters. Uh, yeah, I also I agree with you that I think this was probably I liked the Rika match. Um, more than this, not in a, not like, Oh, that was really great. This is really bad. Yeah. I thought the story was a little bit more focused of, of Rika. As we talked about last time, Rika sort of focusing on the, the body, you know, focusing on the leg, working the leg being like, that's your thing. And then Yuki or I sort of came out in this match and it was like, okay, still doing the kicks which I'm like, okay, not the end of the world. And she, I think she did mention in the post-match uh, promo or interview or some interview somewhere that she was like, oh, I do have to work on varying my um, work on, you know, adding moves, varying my offense, which I was like, oh, okay, that's sort of what I was looking for. I liked that she added the um, uh, the sharpshooter, the scorpion deathlock, whatever you want to call it. They were calling it multiple things on commentary. Um by the way, speaking of the commentary, I thought it was um, good, um, but I'd just like to say uh, to Tokyo Joshi, I think they should just keep it as Chris Brooks and Balianaki. It it really felt like they were, they had someone with them to keep them behaved. <laughs> Although it felt like like halfway through the show, they were like, ah, this is sort of weird. So let's just do our two person commentary. Uh-huh. And if like something ha- like w- if something else gets said, we'll sort of deal with it. And if not, we'll just do two person commentary. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but it, it, I remember it during this because she put on the sharpshooter, and I think Brooks was like, "It's a sharpshooter," and he was like, "It's a scorpion deathlock." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, let's. Th- those are the same things. Uh, <laughs> let's just call it what you know one thing." But I liked that she added that. That was good. Um, so I thought a good match um, and excited. You know, I feel like these matches I end 
even the matches I'm not crazy about, I'm like, ooh, I'm excited to see more, even though this match I wasn't, you know, over the moon about. Because I think that she is getting better. Yuki Arai, I should say, um, is getting better. And it's like, oh, can't wait to see what happens sort of down the road. The semi-main event, the first of two title matches, was for the international princess title, Maki Ito defeating Hikari the champion, Hikari Noah, the longest reigning international princess title holder, in 16 minutes and 9 seconds. Uh, Kelly, I'll go to you first. Um, I have some thoughts on this match. What are your thoughts on this match? I liked this match a lot. Uh, I really enjoyed the story of kind of it being Maki, like really outclassing Hikari in the beginning, and then Hikari kind of stepping up her game throughout the match to make it more even between them. Uh, But, you know, Ito is still just going after her back the whole time, which finally led to the finish. Uh, I thought it was really good. I went four stars on it. I believe this is the match where I took off a quarter star because I lost my fantasy football game during it. I think that's when this was. Uh, I, I think that is correct. Yeah. Cause you did message me that. Yeah. That's what happens uh, when you lose by like one point. It sucked. I hated it. That's what happens. Yeah. It's so funny because I went into this match, you know, two weeks ago or a month ago, or maybe it was two episodes ago or something. We had talked about, the Tokyo Joshi, we were like, okay, we figured out the story, <laughs> which is that like Maki Ito is going to be, is going to lose and Mizuki is going to win the princess of princess title. And it's going to be this whole thing. And so I was going in being like, Hikari no is going to win. And Bali actually said on commentary at one point, he said, you know, Hikari no is the champion, but it feels like getting a win over Maki Ito would be big like bigger than Maki Ito defeating Hikari Noah, who is the champ. Like it's the other way around. It's one of those, you know, yeah, they're the champion, but they have to prove themselves against someone, which happens a lot. But I thought that was sort of true. And then Ito won. And I was like, yeah, I guess what was I thinking? Because it feels to me in a way, almost like Ito is at too high a level for the ti- this title where it's like if she challenges for the title of course she's going to win like she's inches away from getting the top title so it doesn't make sense that she would challenge then for this sort of quote unquote lower title and not win so she won and I was like yeah I guess that makes sense but then I was like oh maybe Mizuki doesn't win the title because this <laughs> doesn't really line up with any of the sort of story that I had made up in my head that I was like, wow, this is really good. The Tokyo Joshi's running this story that really I had made up completely. Yeah. Um, I also really liked the match. I went four stars. I don't do fantasy football, so I would have been four stars regardless. Um, so I thought it was really good. I think Maki Ito has really improved in ring. I thought Noah did very well. I thought that she had a really good, you know, her title reign sort of started out. It was like, okay, this is sort of interesting. This is good. And I think her last um, couple of defenses, this one, obviously where she lost her last one really solidified sort of this reign. And I was like, oh, she had a really good reign. She had good matches. She really sort of stuck herself up in that upper 
mid-level where I think, you know, like someone like Yuki Kamafuku was when she was holding the title, sort of moving them up to the next level that I'm hoping that, you know. Yeah, I think being champion has made her a better wrestler for sure. Well, yeah, you get you get in higher profile spots and you're wrestling, you know, higher, you know, some higher people, not always, you know, she wrestled Marika Kobashi, but, you know, wrestling Maki Ito, who's at the top or near the top of the company is helpful for someone who is improving. So I think that she got a lot better. Um, so I like the match um, and we'll talk about story stuff more in the next match which was the main event, the Princess of Princess title match, where the champion Miyu Yamashita retained in 19 minutes and 12 seconds, defeating Mizuki in her fourth attempt to win this title. She falls and is unsuccessful again. Kelly, what did you think of this match? Poor Mizuki got the shit kicked out of her in this match. (laughs) Like... Miu was just going hard as hell in this match. It was a really just hard-fought match from both of them, but just some of the kicks and the the final two knee strikes that Miu hit on Mizuki were just insane looking. So I I really enjoyed it. I I like to I love a good hard-hitting match like this. Uh, I don't love the booking, but going into Sumo Hall. It makes sense having Miu and Maki as your two top champions. So, like, I get it. Uh, I went four and a quarter. I I really liked it. Well, we're we're in sync once again. I also <laughs> went four and a quarter uh, on this match. I thought it was really good, as you said. Uh, I thought Miu was great, um, but really. You know, I also thought Mizuki was great. I mean, she had those two double stomps, the one from the uh, top turnbuckle to the floor, which looked really good. And then there was the one, um, the double stomp to the back of Miu's head, which I thought looked really good, really crazy. Yeah, I will say double stomps are one move in wrestling that I... You know, some moves in wrestling, you sort of figure out how they do them and you're like, oh, here's how they make it look, you know, hard hitting or they make it look really effective. Double stomps are a thing where I'm like, if I was a wrestler, I would tell whoever I was wrestling, you cannot double stomp me. Yeah, no, there's like sometimes you can tell like a little bit where it's like, oh, okay, so they like aim further than they are. So it's like they're toes take most of the impact on the mat but even a lot of times that doesn't even happen either so it's like no two double stompers are alike yeah and i'm like i don't you know you can say oh they slide off or they do they distribute their weight this way which i understand (laughs) but i would never say to anyone yeah go up there go like five feet up i'll lay down on the ground and you're gonna jump and try and land on me feet first yeah. Even if you're going to slide off, I'm like, that sounds unpleasant. Yeah, that's still uh, just going to feel horrible. Because like, even then, I just imagine you're going to get like like rubber burn or whatever on you from the, the shoes. Or it's like, oh, I'll just slide off. And, you, and then you're like, well, then you're just jumping onto my arm. Yeah. Which seems more dangerous. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but anyway, I thought the match was really great. My... A controversial opinion I have here is maybe it's not a controversial opinion, but it's a hot take. 
I think besides Miyu, who obviously is the ace of the company, always is having these great single matches. If you asked me to pick one wrestler in the company, you said you need to have a great singles match against whoever. Doesn't matter. I would pick Mizuki over everyone else in the company. I would pick her over Yuka Sakazaki. I would pick her over Shoko Nakajima. I think that in these big matches, she proved it at the first Wrestle Princess with that great match that got all that hype. This match was really good. I think she has proven she is very good in these singles scenarios in a way that I think maybe Yuka Sakazaki's ceiling is higher. But I think on a consistent basis, I think Mizuki delivers the best, obviously not including Miyu Yamashita, who would be number one. But number two to me is Mizuki. Yeah, I would totally agree. And yeah, I think Yuka's got a slightly higher ceiling, but sometimes she has those misses. But Mizuki, incredibly consistent every time you're going to get a great match out of her. So my final thing is you briefly mentioned it. My thing is, and I said this right after the show ended, I think to you, I am, you know, it's funny because two times ago when we talked about after Wrestle Princess 2, when we talked about Tokyo Joshi, I was not crazy on the booking. Then we talked about them again, and I was, then I was like, oh, I figured it out. Now I'm back on Tokyo Joshi. I've like solved it but it turns out I didn't solve it at all. (laughs) And um, now I'm sort of back to where I was before, which is I'm like, I don't quite understand. I sort of understand from the perspective of, um, I understand that Sumo Hall is coming up. I understand, um, that you need to book people who you think are going to be a draw. So you make Yamashita the champion, you make Ido the champion that I understand. And people who are like, that's what they're doing. I get that on the level of sort of, it feels to me very win the battle and not win the war to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much, it's, I don't want to say short-sighted, but it's just it it's definitely only in service of the business end rather than the narrative end of it when by and large the narrative end will end up paying off in the business end if you keep it strong yeah and my thing is i think that they are you know sort of the narrative end is one part of it but the fact that we now sort of have this grouping of people who are seemingly sitting right underneath the top level and can't seem to make that step, you know, Maki Ito, uh, Mizuki being the two sort of one a and one B, however you want to put them. There's gotta be a chance or there's gotta be a moment. And this is true for any wrestling company you've got to take chances on someone because yes, you can put, and after the match, we haven't said this, me Yamashita called out Shoko Nakajima. So it will be Yamashita versus um, Nakajima at Sumo Hall on March 19th. That they feel is the biggest match. But part of it is this idea that 
is like, well, we don't think Mizuki can draw. And it's like, well, Mizuki might not be able to draw because she's now challenged for the title four times and she's never won it. Yeah. You're creating your own problems with them. Right. It's that weird thing where, and I mentioned this right after, it feels sort of like that mid-2000s Ring of Honor problem where someone would be really hot and you'd be like, this is it. And they would lose. And you'd be like, oh, oh. And then like a year later, they would get the title and it would be like, well, this is great, but I wish it would have happened a year ago. Uh, Poor Mizuki Uh, is uh, Tyler Black. Uh, the the Nigel Mc, Makiido, the the Nigel McGinnis of uh, of Ring of Honor. <laughs> oh man, if Shoko uh, oh, wins, if Shoko wins, she'll be the Jerry Lynn. <laughs> I remember being so mad when Jerry Lynn won the title. Like I was inconsolable, just so mad. Where I'm like, there's a billion other people to give the belt, and this old man comes in, you give him the title, and I feel like that's what'll happen if Shoko wins. I feel like I was out of like by that time I was sort of falling out of ring of honor. And then it was like, Oh, Jerry Lynn won. And I was sort of like, okay, like I'm now sort of not invested in any of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause it had moved on and they were doing the pay-per-views and like, I wasn't getting the pay-per-views. So I was feeling like I'm like, Oh, I'm out of the loop anyway. And now Jerry Lynn's winning the title and well, whatever. <laughs> um, but anyway, that speaks to the point of, it just feels like, Sooner rather than later, they've got to take a chance on one of these people. We talked about it with stardom, which was, you know, a long time ago, Mayu having the title. And that's very easy. Mayu is the is the ace of the company. She's long tenured. She's been there since the beginning. She's beloved by everyone. And you could run her out a million times. People love her. They would probably come to see her in some numbers. But at some point, you got to take a chance on on someone else because Mayu is not going to last a million years. She's not going to be, you know, able to do that. And probably the numbers will go down. And it's better to have three people who you can put at the top rather than two or having five people instead of four. And I just think like Mizuki is going to challenge again and it's going to be time number five. And when does that happen now? Yeah. Does that happen in another two years? Like, it's just very strange to me where, again, I had this idea in my head. I was like, wow, this is brilliant. And now that idea is out and I'm like, does Shoko Nakajima beat Miyu Yamashita? And that's the end of this huge title reign is it just goes to someone else who's already been champion. I really hope not because that's an incredibly boring choice. Like, it was sort of confusing when Miu won the title in the first place, and it seems like at every moment when it's like, ah, the whole point of this was, you know, it was, oh, the whole point of it is it's building so Maki can beat Miu uh, and have the big moment. Nope, that wasn't it. Ah, the big point of it was that Mizuki is finally going to get the win over Miu, something that Maki couldn't do. Nope, that wasn't it either. And I'm just sort of like, are they leading to Maki Ito being double champion? I'm like, I, I sort of hope not because I'm tired of this double champion nonsense. That seemingly everyone's every, got a dash for the double gold. Every company in Japan is now doing, Oh, double champion. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, don't care. <laughs> um, 
I wonder I'm like, if they changed should... their plans when, I mean, and we don't even know if this is the plan or not. It seems like they're going to get Thunder Rosa in the country for the Sumo Hall show to go up against Maki. It makes me but wonder if they changed their plans because of that. I, I don't even know if that's the case because exactly. Maki's yeah. whole talk was, oh, I'm going to come to America and defend the title against you. And I'm like, well, does it happen in AEW? Because I thought that as well. I thought, oh, maybe they bring in Thunder Rosa and that's another sort of big name to have on this Sumo Hall card because the card now is Yamashita Nakajima. I would assume Ito against someone. Yeah. Uh, Magical Sugar Rabbits against someone. And I would think at Sumo Hall, you're going to have to bring people in. Like, I don't know, maybe they, like we talked about, maybe they do bring in prominence, but I'm like, I'm not sure prominence is going to be. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That would be a good place to run Suzuki or Suzu Suzuki versus Hikari Noah. Is Nakajima Yamashita, like, going to draw huge? It just feels like a match that's like, ah, these are people who have been at the top, you know, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's a drawing match. And now I'm like, okay. So whoever comes out, it could be Yamashita, could be Nakajima. Whoever comes out as champion, I'm like, when I don't know. When does sort of the next part does Ito win the title at some point? But maybe that doesn't happen till the fall. I'm like, that's a long time now. Yeah. It's it's weird. I I don't know. Like, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, I'm actually willing to do the let it play out thing here because the shows are good. Like, I, I enjoy it, what they're doing for the most part. So as long as the show quality keeps up, I'll keep letting it play out. But until in once we get to the point where it's like, oh, this booking is just complete trash. Then we can jump on it. But for now, I'm willing to do the let it play out. In the hobby... It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. 
But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Well, that is all for the big Tokyo Joshi Korokin Hall show, uh, our big review. Next, we are going to move on to stardom. We're not going to cover any of these shows, um, individual matches. There's a lot of shows to cover is the main reason why. But we are going to touch on all the shows that have happened. The first one, obviously, their big end-of-the-year show uh, on December 29th. Uh, big things happening there. Well, for Kelly, big thing happening. Ruaka losing the Future of Stardom title. Uh, and then in the semi-main, Saya Kamatani winning the title from Tom Nakino. And in the main event, Siri finally defeating Utami and becoming champion. So Kelly, I guess I'll ask you, what were your overall, what were your overall thoughts on the show? Uh, well, going to the, uh, Ruaka Hanan match. I, I like, uh, Hanan's new music. I- is it new? Cause I don't remember hearing it. And now it's stuck uh, in my head ever since the show. Uh, I have to say, I don't remember what Hanan's music was as I watched this show almost two weeks ago. Yeah. It's like the just someone going H A N A N, Hanan H A N A N, Hanan like it's so it's it that just plays through my head every now and then. I was like, oh, we're back here again, huh? Yeah, no, I I enjoy it. I'm happy to see uh, the fall of Ruaka. The reign of terror is over. Yeah, uh, I thought it was. I'll I'll just say I thought it was a solid show. Uh, I'm intrigued to see uh, Saya Kamatani's reign with the title. I thought Tom, as we talked about, sort of uh, a dud reign after the first couple, after the first month, really. And I'm also excited to see Siri as champion. Uh, she did drop um, the SWA title. It is not becoming defunct. So we'll see what happens with that. But she is no longer SWA champion. But I thought they had another very good match. I saw people throwing five stars at it. Once again, um, I was very close to what I was in their first match. I thought it was very similar. Um, I thought Siri was by far the stronger member of the match, I guess I'll say. I think that she largely is what they want Utami to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sort of this come out ass kicker, but Siri has so much more sort of 
natural charisma, natural personality to her. I think her matches flow a lot better than Utami's, and I think that's why I've enjoyed I went four and a half stars on the main event, uh, which is exactly what I did for their first one, uh, which had the two um, time limit, the two draws in it. Um, and I have to say, I'm very much more looking forward to a stardom with Suri on top than the excitement I had for Utami. Yeah, and I think the Siri, the, it just comes down to experience. I mean, she's been doing this for a lot longer. And so it's like, okay, this, like you said, this is what they want Utami to be. So they're just like, okay, follow her model, essentially. Uh, that match, I don't know. It didn't connect with me as much as it did in the, like their past matches. I only went four stars on it. Uh, I liked it, but I don't know. I think why these matches don't hit me the same way that they do with a lot of other people is, to me they feel much closer to a big like new Japan main event than like what I expect from a big Joshi main event. And so it's kind of just not what I want when I'm watching that. You know what I mean? It's like when I'm watching Joshi, I want Joshi. I don't want watching new Japan. I want new Japan. It's like, I don't want to go to McDonald's and get spaghetti. Yes. I totally understand. Although I think there are some countries you could probably go to. uh... Oh no. Or maybe we, are you saying you don't often go to uh, Jollibee? Have you ever been to a Jollibee? No. <laughs> what is this? Oh, a Jollibee is a it's a fast food place from uh, somewhere somewhere in Asia. I don't remember exactly where. They serve chicken like chicken sandwiches, but they also serve spaghetti. Fantastic. Um, it's wild. There's one in New York that I went to a, a while back. Cause I also didn't really know what it was. And I was like, Oh, an interesting sort of like fast food place. I'll go in. And they were like, you want a chicken sandwich or do you want this thing of spaghetti? <laughs> and I was like, what? Uh, I think I ended up getting a chicken sandwich. Cause I couldn't wrap my head around going to a fast food place and being like, here's a thing. And it's like the spaghetti, but then it's sort of like the Cincinnati, uh, like chili, spaghetti too i think okay. where they like they're like oh here's spaghetti and then we'll put a lot of like meat on the top of it i just um, picture the spaghetti coming in like the like the kind of like cardboard thing that you get a uh, fries in uh no i've never had it so i don't know what it comes in uh <laughs> if you're a, if you're a big jolly bee fan uh tweet at us at jbomb audio uh and let us know what your favorite menu item at Jollibee is maybe I'll go back and get that. Cause there's one very close to me that I don't go to that often. Um, but anyway, yeah, but you know what on this show I do, th- I will say I, I think I enjoyed the, uh, the Saya and Tom match match a lot more than the main. I went four and a half on that one. I, I thought it was great. Uh, but there was, there was one bit that got me and it's in today. And Kelly hates the stardom ref. There is a bit, when Tom uh, suplexed Saya and Saya's legs went into the ropes and the referee stopped, looked at her legs in the ropes, then quickly remembered he was not supposed to see that and started counting and then lifted up his head to go, oh, her feet are in the ropes. It's like, no, just don't count the pin at all. Nothing gets past Kelly. No, I, I hate him. I hate him so much. <laughs> He's a bad referee. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, on that point, that was the end of Stardom's 2021. They started 
2022 with a short show on January 3rd, which was part of the Stardom Awards. The main event was Donna Del Mundo versus the Cosmic Angels with the two Momo masks making their official debut, revealing themselves as Tekla and the newly shortened Mirai in all caps, the former Mirai Mayumi. Uh, I think not all that surprising. I think Mirai Mayumi had been the leading guess for many, for a long time. I mean, this Momo mask thing has been going on for months. Yeah. Uh, And and Tekla, I also saw a bunch of people guessing that. Tekla makes perfect sense. Like that one is like, oh yeah, because I had never actually thought of it. But as soon as she took off the mask, it was like, Oh yeah, no, that's perfect. Okay, this this fits. Mirai yes, though so, doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yes, and I will say that uh, my I am a big fan of Mirai Mayumi, as I've talked about on this podcast before. Uh, I will say she debuted, and I have to say she's got to get rid of the her haircut makes her look like sort of like a forty five year old. Uh, like divorcee. Oh, she's going gonna to ask for the manager. She's like she's next to Julia, who's like wearing an eye patch. She's got dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah, like Tekla's got all these ropes on her gear, and she's got this bleach blonde hair. And then Mirai's like standing there with this very close cut, like haircut, and I'm like. Like, if it were me, if I were stardom, I would have her come out and be like, it's so weird to me that she isn't dressed almost like a Micah or a, someone like that. Like, come out and look really tough. Yeah. Like, I would think that's the whole thing. And she came out and she was like smiling. She and looked very Julian, happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. And like Julian Teckler are hugging and she's sort of just like standing in the background. And I'm like, hmm. But I will say that the match, I thought the match was excellent. Yeah, I match will, was really good. I will say, not to spoil my upcoming thoughts, but everything that they have done, or at least everything they've done that I've seen, because they haven't posted all of the um, January 8th and January 9th shows, everything that they've done so far in 2022 is the stardom that I want. When I sit on here and I'm like, I'm being driven crazy by these, (laughs) by these singles matches. I'm being driven crazy by there's never any storylines. I'm being driven crazy by why aren't the tag titles main eventing shows. And they've done all of this. I thought that this multi-person tag was really fun. And I was like, this is the stardom that I like. When it's like really talented people, they're going 100 miles an hour. They're throwing bombs at each other. They're in and out of the ring. They're breaking up pins, although there was one pretty bad uh, botch of uh, Unagi not getting in to break up a pin. The ref didn't count it, even though my Sakurai's shoulders were just laying on the mat. Oh, Um, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) And I was like... Well, it first happened and I was like, wait a minute, did I miss something? And then I went back and I watched and I was like, uh, Unagi was supposed to come in and break up the pen and didn't make it in time. But like, I thought this was fun. I thought Tekla looked really good. Like I thought Mirai looked really good. I'm really glad to have Julia back. I thought she was great. Like I really enjoyed the whole thing and I thought it made everyone look great. Like even 
Cosmic Angels, they didn't win the match, but I thought that they kept up well with this sort of new team. Um, so it was all like thumbs up for me. Um, I would say, please, people in Ice Ribbon, stop leaving Ice Ribbon like in the lurch and going to yeah. stardom. Uh, that sort of is sucky. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I like Tekla being in the company because she feels like someone who doesn't immediately need to like be pushed all the way to the top. Although knowing stardom, it might happen. Um, Mirai, I'm very interested to see. She's now in Donna Del Mundo. She's in a group. You know, I just think of Donna Del Mundo. I'm like, it's a huge group now. Obviously, Julia and Shuri are the top level. And then it's like Himika, Micah, Natsupoi, Mirai. Like, who is getting the push there? Yeah, you know, I Himika think it's Micah. going to turn into Mirai being the one that takes losses. Like, I think she'll be booked strong initially to give her credibility. But after that, I could see her being, for lack of a better term, the jobber of the group. Yeah, because I don't really see, you know, I look at the group and I'm like, well, they could split the group and it could, you know, Shuri could run her own group. But then I'm like, that group is Shuri, uh, you know, Natsupoi, Mirai. I don't like, I don't know what the split would be. Take Konami um, with her, maybe. Well, Konami is. We, we don't know if Konami with, is. Yeah. What's happening with Konami right now? Like, I'm. I think very... it's a TBD. I think it's TBD. Okay. I think is what's happened. Well, she's not wrestling now. Is what's happening at the current moment. Okay. But the future is sort of TBD. Um, but anyway, it's it is a weird thing where I look at this group and I'm like, who's going to lose matches? But of course, the answer might be they just do time limit draws, which they had a time limit draw already um, this year. Uh, Reset the I'll counter. Get more into, I'll get more into that coming up very shortly. But, <laughs> um, you know, it is weird. It's like Oedo Tai now has eight people and like they have like five loss posts in the yeah. group. And Donna <laughs> Domundo has no one. Yeah, what if it's just everyone loses to, or Wado Tyler just loses to everyone, so no one has to actually lose in these other <laughs> groups? Wado Tai, who I think absurdly won the best unit award yeah. at the Stardom Awards, <laughs> uh, a unit that we have consistently said is has did not have a great year. No, it had a good end of the year. Um, but yes, a, a overall. A very good debut for Tekla and Mirai. A very good match. Glad, very happy to have Julia back um, in the fold here. So that was on January 3rd. On January 8th and 9th, they had two back-to-back shows at Corican Hall. The uh, Currently, only the main events are up. So I have seen both, and I think Kelly has seen the main event of the show on the 9th? Uh, the 8th. I saw so, Momo oh, on the 8th. Okay. Um, so the first on the eighth was a main event between the newly turned Oedo Tai member Momo Watanabe and Azumi, uh, a match that ended when Momo loaded up her kick pad with a foreign object and just booted Azumi in the face with it. Yeah, that was a uh, cool finish. 
to get the knock to get the knockout. Another match I thought was really fun. I thought the ending was good, and here is where I get on my soapbox, which is that <laughs> I saw a bunch of people saying, "Well, why is Momo winning with this sort of foreign object? She's good enough that she should be able to win matches with just her talent." I'm like, first of all, that's the point. Yeah. She's a heel. And she's she had the, the pin before. Like, she lifted Azumi's head up, so she clearly could have gotten it. She just chose to be a dick. It's And it made perfect sense. She blows up the boot. She kicks Azumi in the face, and they're like, Azumi is out, and the match is over. And then Azumi was not on the 1-9 show, which I'm not sure if that was storyline or if she is nursing an injury. <laughs> she actually reason. got kicked in the head with a wrench. <laughs> um, but I'm like, this makes perfect sense. And the same people who are like, oh, time limit draws are great because blah, blah, blah. It's the same people saying time limit draws are great are sitting here going, how could a heel do this dastardly thing and kick the shit out of someone and wit? Like, I'm like, that's the point. Yeah. That's the whole thing. I also have to say, Kelly, I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question. Okay. Which I thought of when I was watching this. Let's just imagine let's just say you had a group, a wrestling group, a wrestling faction. And in it, you had Momo Watanabe. You had Starlight Kid. At one point, you had Konami. Would you make the leader of that group Natsuko Tora? <laughs> I mean, it makes the most sense to do that, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I, she was introducing Momo at the beginning. I was like, you are a geek. Yes, Get she out needs of to be thrown out of the group or something. Like, so many people should be taking over the group from her. I'm like, Momo better be the leader of this group in the next month, or yes. I don't know what I'm going to... Because I'm like, what? I'm like, like you Starlight are down. Kid took over, essentially. Like, I don't get it. But I'm like, I know there's a lot of people who are going to get very mad at me for saying that because a lot of people really like Tora. I've never understood it. I have never thought that, you know, I think she's a perfectly fine sort of mid-carter. You know, it's sort of like now I see it as Momo and Starlight Kid at the top. Then the sort of middle is like Saki and uh, Natsuka Tora. And then the bottom is um, Ruaka and... Uh, Hina. Yonayama like, and the that's children. The levels to me. Yeah. Oh, and Yonayama, who's sort of like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I totally clown for- with I, I forgot about Death Yamasan. Um, <laughs> because she's someone, it's like, oh, she could win, she could lose. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but anyway, that was just a thing that she came out and she's like, I'm here to introduce the new Momo Watanabe. And I had sort of forgotten <laughs> about because she hasn't, she's been out injured. And I was like, oh, yeah, you are technically the leader of this group that now has many very cool and, you know, popular people in it. <laughs> like, it made sense when she was in the group and there was like, it was like her and Saki and like an injured Natsu Samire and yeah. Death Yamasan. I'm like, that makes sense. I'm like, now Starlight Kid, now Momo Watanabe, give it to one, let one of them do it. Um, I did but like anyway, when she was uh, saying, uh, like, oh, you, you all came here to see me? And just crickets. <laughs> like, just nothing. 
but anyway, a very good match, a match I enjoyed. Kelly, did you, we didn't talk, did you enjoy the match? Yeah, I went uh, four stars on it. Uh, Momo's kicks just looked so brutal, and I I really loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I do, <laughs> if the, the entire time I'm watching the match, I keep looking at Momo, and I'm thinking, she must have just gone to the hairdresser and asked for the Maya Yukihi. <laughs> Because, like, they have the same hair now. The January 9th show... Well, first of all, I should mention at the beginning of the show, Momokogo, formerly of Actress Girls, came out to express her interest... Uh, I think that's the proper way to put it. To express her interest in wrestling in stardom. So someone new. Uh, you know, obviously, Actress Girls does not exist anymore, although Saki has started or has announced that the colors brand will be resurrected um, as a separate wrestling group in February, but Momokogo leaving actress girls as it shuts down coming to stardom. I think a a solid uh, I've always really liked Momokogo. I think that she was one of the um, better in-ring workers in actress girls. And I think it's a solid, um, solid pickup for stardom. Yeah. I got a, message from in the vow slack from liam of uh you've got to be kidding me fam and all the message said was something like what's up with this new momo and i had just woken up i had no idea what was happening i was like they're doing another one doesn't donald del mundo have enough people (laughs) he's like no 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 a literal momo (laughs) send me your name like oh okay this makes more sense um, by the way, unrelated, I'm so glad the Momo mask thing is over because I hate the Momo, I, like <laughs> out, outside of the stardom, I hate looking at the Momo mask. Like to me, it's a visual, like nails on a chalkboard thing. Cause I think they're so horrifying. Oh yeah. No, it's upsetting. Like, so off-putting, um, that I'm glad it's done, but yes, glad to see Momo Kogo appear. We'll see what happens with her, but the main event of the January 9th show Hazuki and Koguma uh, cashing in their tag tournament uh, victory and winning the tag titles from the very successful team of Julia and Shuri in a match that I thought was really good. I super enjoyed it. I have been asking Stardom to main event with tag title matches. Obviously, they couldn't with Julia out, but they do it here and for the third show in a row, I had a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. Kelly, what did you think? Oh no, Kelly, you didn't see it. <laughs> it was great. Right. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, exactly. I, I'm excited to watch it. It seems weird. To, it almost seems like now maybe they should have had Siri and Julia drop the belts, like just vacate them. So you don't have your champion losing here, but it, it does seem weird to me that it's like, wow, Shuri, she's very powerful. She has three titles. And then within the span of like one day, it's like, whoops, she has one title. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the best look. Um, at the end of the match, uh, Himika and Micah came out to uh, challenge. They were the previous. Right. It's been so long. They were the previous tag title holders. I think so. so that yeah. match will be coming up. Um, also, I should say that we, at the time of recording, uh, Stardom does have a show on January 10th. By the time the show is out, by the time this show is out, I should say, um, that show will have already happened, but it hasn't happened yet. So we can't talk about it. 
Seedling had their big end of the year show with two big title matches. Uh, the first was for the tag titles where Asuka and Makoto defeated Nanai Takahashi and Hiroyo Matsumoto. And in the main event, Arisa Nakajima defeated Ryo Mizunami for the Beyond the Sea title. Uh, I watched, I saw both of those matches. I thought that the um, Arisa Rio match was really good. Uh, they had a sequence late in the match where they just started doing shoot headbutts to each other. Um, and the crowd, for the first time in a, really any crowd that I can remember, audibly made noise. Whoa. Um, because one of the headbutts was so strong and I was like, <gasps> like it was a shocking moment to me where I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. The crowd is making sounds. Um, <laughs> but it was great. It was much better. They had had that title match, um, I think in the middle of the year that I thought was not, didn't come together, was not great. I thought this one was really good. I went four stars on it. Uh, I'm assuming at this point, Mizunami will head back to America, head back to AEW. Um, but excited for Arisa to have the title. She's my favorite wrestler, so I will never oppose her having the big seedling title. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, what happens with seedling in the future. Uh, Oz had a, their big end of the year show on December 30th. Hiroya Matsumoto and Rina Yamashita winning the tag titles from Itsuki Aoki and Tsubasa Kuragaki. And Maya Yukihi retaining her title, the single, the Oz, uh, indiscriminate title over you. Uh, Oz also Me? had a show. Yes, over you. Uh, <laughs> they Oz also had a show on the 9th, which was uh, evacuated. It was at Shinjuku Face, and it was evacuated because they had a fire. There was a fire in the basement of oh, the shit. building. I believe is what it was. There's a sauna down there or something. So they did evacuate. Um, there were pictures of uh, Mayumi Ozaki in front of the building with a, with a megaphone, I think telling people what had gone on, but I believe everyone is safe. It was all okay. Everyone got out of the building. So that is good to hear, but a, a little bit of a scary moment. And I believe that the Sendai girls show or Sendai girls is having a show there or had a show there that went ahead um, because I think they took care of all the fire stuff, which is good to hear. Yeah, that's good. Cause I was uh, going to say that would displace a whole lot of wrestling shows if that place was badly damaged. Yeah. I think it was in the basement, which is pretty far. Kelly, have you been to Shinjuku? Face? I never actually went to Shinjuku. I did a uh, Shinkiba first ring, but I never went to Shinjuku okay. face. Cause I've seen one. I actually saw an Oz Academy show there. Um, and it is in a very tall building and I think it's on like the 15th floor or something. It's pretty okay. high up. So if it happened in the basement, I'm assuming that it wouldn't really affect that except for, of course, if there's a fire in the building, they don't want people yeah, hanging out on the 15th floor. Or <laughs> uh, Tokyo Joshi also had two more shows after their big January 4th show where the Max Hart tag tournament started on January 8th. Moka Miyamoto and Yuki Arai defeating Palm Harajuku and Mihiro Kiryu um, in their tag tournament match. A bit of a surprise as the less experienced team defeating the more experienced team. And then on January 9th, 
the team of Hikari Noah and now Kakuda, which have dubbed themselves Free Wi-Fi, uh, <laughs> defeating Haruna Neko and Kaya Torabami in their Max Heart Tag Tournament match. Uh, Noah and now deeming themselves Free Wi-Fi because they want everyone to watch their matches. Uh, so that's a fun. What that's a, a fun name. name. I. Could, I I couldn't announce that without also announcing that their tag team name is free Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. Uh, and then also this is uh, sort of tangential to Tokyo Joshi, but I'm putting it here because it's my show and I can do whatever I want. Uh, the Gaki no Fuchi Joshi pro wrestling clockwork Gake no Fuchi 2022 Gake no Fuchi versus prominent show, which happened also on January 4th from the previously mentioned Shinjuku face. Uh, this was the big annual beginning of January uh, Miyako Matsumoto show. It had four matches, a Chris Brooks, Suzu Suzuki hardcore match, a Risa Sera, Miyako Matsumoto, uh, Gake no Fuchi rules match, a prominence versus Sanchiro Takagi and Mao match and a big no DQ five on four handicap match in the main event. Uh, Kelly, I know that you watched this show. So what did you think of it overall highlights uh, from you? I loved it. I, these Gake no Fuchi just nonsense shows are fantastic. Uh, the opener, the Chris Brooks versus Susu Suzuki match was awesome. I went four and a quarter on that. Just a really great hardcore match. If you don't want the nonsense, you can jump out after that. I mean, you're going to get hit with some nonsense before from uh, uh, the singing of the intro to the show, uh, which features uh, Sawa following in and adding his little flourishes to the song as well. Uh, Later in the show, you will at some point ask if Mao is okay because he keeps screeching. I'm not sure what that character is. but it's entertaining nonetheless. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's dumb as hell, but just such a fun watch. Yeah, the show's only about two hours, so it's a pretty quick watch. But yes, I will echo that uh, if you've never watched the Gake Pro show, uh, you just sort of have to go in with the understanding that unless you speak Japanese, uh, which I do not, you will probably understand only about... 10% of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and that might be generous. And who knows, um, even if you do speak Japanese, you still might not know what's <laughs> happening. Um, but I also, I thought the opening match was excellent. I think it's won the uh, Chris Brooks, Suzu Suzuki match. I thought it was very good. Um, actually had some people who don't regularly watch uh, Joshi watch that match. And they came away very impressed uh, by Suzu Suzuki, which is great to hear because, I think she's great, and I'm glad that people are now finding out about her. Um, I will also say, while we're talking about prominence, they did announce uh, recently that the prominence shows until their official launch in February will be airing on Wrestle Universe, which is great to hear. I'm really happy that um, Wrestle Universe has become or has sort of added these shows. They had the zero one show, not a Joshi show, but they had the zero one show um, from January 1st. Now adding prominence. They are obviously already have Tokyo Joshi DDT Noah. So a great value. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, you forgot Gunbare. Gunbare, <laughs> yes. Um, they have a lot of stuff. It's a great value. You know, they just relaunched it. I think, uh, Kelly, I don't know how you feel because I think that you had had more problems on the old system than me. I think the new system works really flawlessly. It's oh, yeah. I have had use. zero problems since the changeover. The quality is really good. Um, on shows where they have English and Japanese commentary, it's super easy to switch between them, like within the same window, which is really great. Um, instead of it being like two different video files. Um, so highly recommended if you are not subscribed to Wrestle Universe, this is a free plug uh, for them. Go and subscribe. The uh, Sendai Girls had a show on the 8th and 9th. Um, and then Kelly is going to talk about some Sendai Girls wrestlers who visited some other promotions uh, throughout the holidays. Yeah, so on the on December 25th, Freedoms ran their annual Blood Xmas show, and Dash Shisako was in a six-person hardcore match. Uh, she teamed with Gunso and Masashi Takeda to beat Daisuke Masaoka, uh, Kamui, and Rina Yamashita. That was just a fun trios match. Uh, I was not expecting Dash to be on that show, but then there she was. Uh, I Again, I really like that match, but if you're a Deathmatch fan... Watch the main event. It is my new match of the year between uh, Jun Kasai and Vilento Jack. Just crazy, crazy death match. Uh, and then on December 30th, Gleet ran their version two show. And this had two Joshi matches, the first of which was a UWF rules style match where Chihiro Hashimoto defeated uh, Michiko Miyagi in a match that was essentially just a, a mauling uh Hashimoto just beat the hell out of Miyagi. I think it was in like four minutes. Like it, it was it was brutal. Uh fun match, but yeah, uh, I mean not if you're Miyagi, but <laughs> uh Taylor, you said you watched that one, right? Yeah, I did. It was a it was a um an interesting match because Miyagi is a glee great talented uh or contracted wrestler. I should say. And I think that that was like the third or fourth match in and none of the great talent had won any matches like uh, Minoru Suzuki won his match um, as a member of Pancrase, which I always uh, enjoy. But yeah, I thought it was really a, a mauling. Uh, there were some little spots of hope, but then it was m- mostly a just straight up destruction. Yeah. Uh, and then later in the card, Dash Chisako defeated uh, Yukari Hosokawa, who Chaco Pro fans may know better as Rinrin. Uh, I did not enjoy that match very much, to be honest. Uh, it went about like almost 10 minutes. Uh, shouldn't have run that long. Uh, they gave Yukari way too much offense. And it wasn't it wasn't great. She's not the best, at, I don't think. Uh Dash was good as always, but I don't know. The match just didn't work for me, and I'm hoping Hosokawa gets better over time, but right now she hasn't shown me very much. And to be honest, I didn't think she was great in Choco Pro to begin with. So, I don't know. We'll see. She's still incredibly young, so lots of room for improvement there. 
And we will talk about some Sendai Girl stuff in a few moments. But next we will move on to Ice Ribbon, who had their yearly Ribbon Mania show on December 31st. Three big title matches. Akane Fujita defeating Rina Yamashita for the Fantast Ice title. Hamaka Hoshi and Ibuki Hoshi defeating Maya Yukihi and Risa Sara for the tag titles. And Sakushi retaining her title over Ram Kaichao in her second defense of the Ice Infinity title. Uh, I'm happy to see Fujita winning the Fantast Ice title because it means, hopefully, that the prominence... Um, people will be sticking around. I know that they have some matches coming up, which we'll talk about, but um, I think losing them all as I worried might happen when they all announced the prominent stuff would be pretty tough, but glad to see that they will at least still be hanging around maybe for big shows or spot shows or things like that. And then ice ribbon had some smaller shows on the third, the eighth and the ninth Diana had two shows. They are running a title tournament to determine a new champion for their singles title. On the 31st of December, Miyuki Takase defeated Haruka Umasaki, and Ayako Sato defeated Hanako Nakamori in the first round of that tournament. And then on January 9th, Nagisa Nosaki defeating Raidin Hagane, and Ayako Sato defeating Miyuki Takase in the semifinals. So those two victors will meet at the next Diana show, which we'll talk about in a minute. Marvelous, uh, like Stardom, has a show on January 10th. Will have happened by the time this is released, but hasn't happened yet. The big, big match on that show, Chihiro Hashimoto versus Takumi Aroha for the AAAW rights to the single, I think the singles title and the tag titles um, that were won by... Sendai girls back at the Gaia show um, have a feeling that if Marvelous, if Aroha wins, that those titles would then be defended. This is just for the rights to hold the titles in your company. And I know that before the Gaia show, Marvelous said that if they held the titles, they would be defended as real titles. And I'm sort of hoping that happens. Um, so it makes the most sense. To- yeah, looking forward to see this match. Their last match, which we talked about on the podcast, wasn't crazy about, but maybe they were saving it all for this big match, which has some big uh, stipulations. Uh, Wave had a show on January, their um, monthly first day of the month show on January 1st, where Yuki Miyazaki defeated the champion Kari Yoniyama and Miss Mongol to become the new Queen Elizabeth title holder. So that is everything that happened in the very busy last two weeks of Joshi. And here's everything that's coming up in the next two weeks. Stardom has four shows uh, on the 15th, 16th, 22nd, and 23rd. Nothing has been announced for those shows yet. uh, So we'll have to wait and see. Tokyo Joshi has two shows coming up. Both are going to have some Max Hart Tight, uh, tournament matches on the 15th of January Yuka Sakazaki and Mizuki the team of the Magical Sugar Rabbits will take on Shoko Nakajima and Hyper Masao and Yuki Kamafuku and Asuka the returning Asuka will take on Marika Kobashi and Raku 
And oh, then, I wonder um, if they'll G- bring back the uh, New Japan camera guy for the uh, Kamiyo and Asuka entrance. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, and then on the 19th, uh, a little bit a little bit up in the air, but Miyu Yamashita and Maki Ito, 1-2 million, will take on the winner of the Yuka Kamafuku and Asuka, Marika Kobashi and Raku match. Rika Tatsumi and Miyu Watanabe will take on the winner of the Magical Sugar Rabbits and Nakajima and Masao match. And then two more matches, Nadoka Tenma and Yuki A. Aieno, the Bakaretsu sisters, will take on Hikari Noah and Naokakuda, the team of free Wi-Fi. And Suzume and Arisu Endo will take on Moka Miyamoto and Yuki Arai. So lots of tournament matches on those shows. Looking forward to that. Ice Ribbon has a number of shows coming up. The biggest show, they have a Corican Hall show on January 16th, Winter Story. 2022, the big matches on that show. A singles match, Tsukasa Fujimoto and Makoto facing off. Maya Yukihi and Ram Kaichao teaming together to take on the team of Totoro Satsuki and someone who is to be announced, TBA, not X, but TBA. Uh, a triangle ribbon match, the champion Mika Osaki going up against Miyako Matsumoto and Yuki Mashiro. And the main event will be for the Ice Infinity title, Sakushi's third defense, defending against new tag team champion, one half of the new tag team champions, Abuki Hoshi. Hoshi had that great match with Fujimoto for the title a number of months ago that was on my match of the year list. So looking forward to that. Also on the 23rd, the Ice Ribbon Show will feature a prominence Offer match, offer hardcore match, where Akane Fujita and Suzu Suzuki will team up to face Mochi Miyagi and Risa Sara. So as I said, happy to see uh, Prominence continuing to have a spot in Ice Ribbon. Diana has their next show at Shinkiba first ring on January 23rd. That will feature the finals of the title, Diana title tournament. Nagisa Nosaki versus Ayako Sato and the debut of Diana's newest rookie, Kyoko. So that will be interesting to see a, a new rookie. I'm trying to think, when did Haruka Umasaki debut? I don't even remember, but it's been a while. Uh, and then Wave has a show on the 16th, January 16th. Saki and Hikari Shimizu will defend their tag team titles against Nagisa Nosaki and Takumi Aroha. So a pretty strong team there, but that is everything that is happening in the next two weeks of Joshi wrestling. If ice ribbon does air live, we will cover that show. We often say that and then they don't air live, uh, but we'll keep our fingers crossed. Look forward to talking about that ice ribbon show three months from now. Kelly, do you have anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered everything. There was so much. Well, I will end on a uh, serious note. Used to Kelly, this is usually the moment where he derails the podcast. 
but I will end on a serious note, which is that if you don't know, uh, John Carroll recently announced the end of Wrestling Omakase, uh, their podcast that they have been doing for just about five years now. I just wanted to give them a shout out, say happy trails. Uh, for those of you who listen to that podcast, uh, you've probably heard me over there. I've been on that podcast a number of times, I think over 20 times. Uh, and John gave me a shot, let me on the show at a time where I had really never done any podcasting before, uh, allowed me to come back many times. And I believe that's partially responsible for helping me to uh, think that I could do a show like Jumping Bomb Audio. So Wrestling Omakase will be missed, but a big thank you and happy trails to John. Yeah, I always enjoyed my time on that show, so I was sad to see it go, but you got to do what you got to do to keep yourself happy and keep yourself being a fan. So I I, I, I expect it, uh, the show to be back eventually. I think John will find their excitement for wrestling again. Because it really is like once it starts becoming work to watch it, it's not fun at all anymore. Like that's why there's there's companies that'll watch, but then just a, for a while, like, just stop just and then you'll come back and it's like oh wait this is what i liked about this okay i will say now that we have been work we uh on this show are closing in on almost two years of doing this show and i just keep thinking we're, we're pretty close because there has been the debate in japan we haven't talked about that now they're allowed to do you know half attendance but you can cheer or full attendance and it's the same restrictions we, I do feel like we're closing in on that moment when wrestling is going to return to at least more normal. And as a show that has uh, lived entirely in this strange world of clap crowds and things like that, uh, I am thinking we'll get to that point and the crowds will be able to make noise again. And this show is going to become the most positive uh, <laughs> show you've ever heard. Every, every match will get five stars. We'll be like, Oh my God, we could hear the crowd. It was amazing. I mean, I talked about that one spot in the seedling match where I could hear the crowd. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Uh, so excited for that. But I know having gone through these two years of uh, sort of abnormality, it's not always easy uh, to do this stuff. So yeah. If we start going like four, four and a half stars on like Harun and Echo versus Palm Harajuku <laughs> matches, maybe, maybe keep us in check a little bit. <laughs> uh, but that is our show. As always, check us out on Twitter at Audio or Kelly at Comic Geek Kelly or me at Tay Mambo. Please subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. If that podcast app of choice is Apple Podcasts, Give us, please give us a five-star rating and review. It would be very nice of you. Or if you're feeling super nice, you can donate to us at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping bomb audio. So that is all for our first episode of 2022. And we will see you again in two weeks.